Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this batch video for the web novel Out of Space taken from the website Royal Road. And as always I hope you enjoy the narration and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 321 The Jewel of the South Port City of Norsehound, Mills woke up startled, grabbing his service revolver from under his pillow as he sat up straight and scanned the unfamiliar surroundings, while breathing heavily. The room was dark, with only a light coming in from the open window where the breeze from the lake blew in. He rubbed the sweat off his forehead and pulled his sweat-soaked tea off and decocked the hammer of his revolver. Sitting on the edge of the goose-feather packed bed, he rubbed his face tired and glanced at the time and his watch inside. It was only 3.13 in local time. Mills shoved his weapon back under his pillow and stood up, using a light coming in from the window to navigate in the dark, carpeted room. He found the jar of water and poured himself a drink before he took a new shirt for a wear and slipped on his boots. Exiting the guest room, he found the marine sentries on alert at the end of the corridor and he waved them them with ease before he walked towards the double glass doors leading out to the veranda of the mansion where he was awarded an entire view of the city harbour. Twinkling lights from the glowing torches and lamps dotted the entire harbour and the surrounding ships as they lay tied up to the wharves, creating an orange cast of highlight in the steeping city. The Rothschilds' mansion was sitting on a small hill that gave it the grandest view of the city and the harbour, while surrounded by a blue forest of lush green fields. Mills could see pairs of armoured guards patrolling the grounds while the private wing of the mansion remained dark. He took in a deep breath of air inside, wondering what was the sense of intense unease that woke him up so suddenly from his dreams. He and his men had settled into the Rothschild mansion just the day before, commandeering the entire guest wing of the mansion, Mills and his men ensured that their temporary quarters were all well defended and the watchtower at the end of the guest wing was even converted into a radio shack for the comms equipment. In the small enclosed courtyard within the guests' quarters sat two magic-resistant ambush-protected all-terrain 6x6 vehicles, or what the marines referred to the MRAP. Two more-up armored jeeps and another pair of open-top trucks were parked together in the ad hoc motor pool with a small mountain of supplies. The narrow entrance to the garden courtyard proved no test for the skilled drivers, but the garden was all but destroyed by the vehicles, now the makeshift barrier blocking the way into the courtyard and manned by a marine guard. Mills looked at his watch again and let out another sigh. As barely an hour, it would be changing the guard and there wasn't any point in getting more sleep since he had to be up anyway. Maybe he should just take a cold shower and wash the sweat away, but thinking about the primitive facilities here, he rubbed his head and moaned, I want to go back to Haven. Titania Rothschild awoke to a familiar sounds of maids scurrying around her bedchamber. As she sat up, her maids bowed and greeted her before laying out the set of clothes for her and preparing a warm water for her to wash up. She sighed in bliss as her maids brushed her hair and buttoned her formal dress with her needing to move a muscle. Once they were done with their preparations, the maids stepped back and bowed low, while Titania checked herself in a silver mirror. Satisfied, she left her private chambers and headed on towards the dining room where the luxurious spread was laid out. As it was breaking her fast, Captain Judas appeared, wearing his half-plate and carrying his helmet. You're early. Titania gestured for him to join her for the meal. How's the situation? Judas placed his arm down and waved away the maid was instead took a pitcher of watered-down wine, pouring himself a goblet, before finishing in one go. The situation is not in our favor. 
Your two brothers, Judas poured another goblet of wine. They have joined hands with the house of Deflin and the house of Taron. What? Titania paused in a meal and set a fork down. Her appetite was gone. Why? How could they? House Deflin and House Taron are practically our nemesis. Titania pushed back her chair and started pacing at the head of the table. How could they just join up with them? What benefits were exchanged? I don't know yet. Judas took a red fruit from the fruit bowl and bit into it. Rumors were that they were promised to give two houses a stake at the harbor once this is over. A stake in the city harbor? Titania felt a massive headache growing. This is our main lifeline of the Rothschilds. Are they stupid? I would appear that they felt threatened by your position here. Judas gave a shrug as he spat out the pit of the fruit out. I heard that they were recruiting men and buying supplies secretly too. Titania slumped back in her chair and covered her eyes. I want your best men to keep tabs on their every move. Report to me once we have certain information and about what they have promised the two houses. Your wish is my command. Judas winked and took another fruit before he left the dining room with his helm. My lady, you watch your back too. Titania rested her head against her hand as she sat on the chair and the remains of her meal on the table and thought hard about the night Captain Judas's warning before calling out, Steward! Yes, my lady. The distinguished-looking old man appeared in from the dark red corner from the side. I want you to send out invitations to all the major houses for a dinner party this coming weekend. Titania tapped the table. No, send out the invitations also to all the houses, both major and minor, and even the guilds as well. Invitations to all the houses and guilds of the city, the steward bowed. It will be done, my lady. Any important notes for today? Titania asked. You have an invitation to a tea party hosted by the young mistress of House Iris today, the steward reported, and these letters are for you, my lady. The silver platter filled with over a dozen perfumed scrolls tied in fancy ribbons and covered in important-looking seals and letters were placed before Titania. She picked one of the scrolls up and ripped the ribbon away, breaking the seal before scanning the contents and tossing the scroll back onto the table. Are they all the same? Titania sighed as she gestured to the platter of scrolls. All proposals... I will assume so, my lady, the steward replied with a small bow. All of these scrolls arrived accompanied with many gifts. Also, I have a few men down in the grand foyer waiting for your reply. Help me pen back a reply to thank them for their attention and return their gifts back, Titania replied. Reject everyone coming to propose marriage with me. If anyone is here to talk business, then I'm free, Titania stated. And my guests? They've settled down in the east guest wing. The steward gave a sniff of an indignant. The whole wing has been occupied by them like they own the place. Bear with me for a while, my dear old Alfred. Titania smiled at the old steward who gave a curt nod. I need their help for the time being. They killed the old master and now they're treating you like a house is their own. The steward sighed. They are dark times indeed. Dark times. Yes, Alfred, these are dark times. Titania lowered her head. But they are allies now, and we are surrounded by an enemy at all sides now. Stay strong, my lady, the steward Alfred said. This old servant and the rest will always support you. Thank you, Titania smiled gravely. So my guests are doing fine. Yes, my lady, Alfred replied. They do not allow any of the servants or maids into the guest wing, saying something about security procedure. A maid entered the dining room and gave a curtsy to Titania and reported, Lady, one of the, um guests asked to speak with you. He is waiting outside now. Let him in. Titania asked and gestured to Alfred to do his work. The double door swung open and Moles dressed in a set of pressed uniform entered. Good morning. 
Morning, Mills gave a casual reply, owning a glare of the old steward and maid as they exited the dining room. Am I, uh, disturbing you or something? No, join me if you haven't eaten, Titania replied. How was your rest? Okay, I guess. Mills took a seat directly next to Titania and heard a sharp intake of breath from the servants and maids in the room. Um, uh, did I do something wrong? Titania giggled and waved away the servants to set a place for Mills. Ignore them, just sit where you like. Yeah, okay, if you say so. Mills gave a shrug and settled down on the chair, giving the maid a wide smile as she placed cutlery down before him. Thanks, pretty. The maid blushed and quickly set the place before scurrying away, afraid that she might get eaten by him. Mills, unaware of the local customs, just ignored the maid's stares and whispers and started putting food on his plate, trying out each of the dishes on the table. Have your men settled down properly too? Titania leaned against one of the hands and watched Mills gorge himself. Oh yes, pretty well, Mills grinned with a mouthful of food. Well, something woke me up last night so I didn't really sleep much actually. But thanks for providing us with a place to stay and store our gear. Mills spoke as he ate at the same time. My, this ham is good. Have more, Titania watched with a small smile, ignoring his manners. Think you can entertain yourself and keep out of sight for the time being? Of course, Mills nodded. Oh yeah, the LT wishes to speak to you later in the afternoon when you're free. I understand, Titania nodded. Is this about the embassy? Yep. Mills took a swirl of the watered-down wine and grimaced. Damn, you people drink this bitter watery stuff. <laughs> Titania don't know why, but watching Mills eat had lessened the stress in her mind. Yes, we do drink this. Do you want anything else? Yeah, Mills pushed the goblet away and turned to one of the maids waiting at the wall. Any chance for juice or even milk? But milk Titania laughed. Aren't you a bit old to be drinking milk? Hey, Moles gave back and gave injured look at Titania. Milk is good for you. You're never too old to drink milk. <laughs> Titania giggled and waved to the maid. Give him what he wants. So, are you all right? Moles asked. Yeah, I'm fine. Titania blinked at the question. What I mean is how are you feeling now? Moles turned serious. Emotionally, with your father gone and now you need to protect your home. Oh, Titania took a deep breath and realization hit her. I, um, I'm fine. Well, if you need someone to talk to, Moles awkwardly said while he scratched his head. You know, about stuff, you can always come and find me to talk. I will. Titania gave a sweet smile and carefully thoughts of Moles. Thank you for caring. No problem. Moles gave a cheerful smile back. Always a pleasure to help you. End of chapter. Chapter 322. House of Cards. Look, do we need all three of us in view of the property? Asked the irritated Mills as he, Sergeant Tyria, and Intel officer shared a rocky carriage. He eyed their no-nonsense working attire with jealousy as he was dressed up like a peacock by the Rothschild's princess. A massive amount of fluff seemed to be the clothing of choice amongst the young nobles, as was evidenced by the itchy material bursting from his collar. He wore a hot and so-called fashionably bright blue collared pea coat and ended up with a V-shaped tailcoat and the other red vest underneath that. And to end it off, he had an oversized blue beret hung down low, covering his ears, which were the hats of the old earth artists usually wore. At first, when he came out of the dressing room, he felt like he was some kind of rich flop, but his laughter that greeted him from the marines made him change his mind very fast. Still, Titania and the rest managed to convince him that this was the fashion of young nobles, and he was nothing to worry about. Still, seeing the rest who wore sensible items of clothing made him feel overdressed and hot. 
You are the right. The intel officer gave a smile before he suddenly swung the door and slow moving carriage open. I should take my leave now and see you all back in the mansion later in the day. With a small bag in his hands, the intel officer had a nod before he hopped off the carriage and disappeared into a side of the woods. Um, that was fast. Mole searched over the closed door. What was that all about? Intel and their secrets. Sergeant Terrier had a hundred and first replied as a matter of factly. Okay. Mole sighed and stared out the tiny window, seeing the blue-green scenery flowing past the carriage slowly. Three places to check out and we will be done for the day. The carriage continued onwards for the first destination, where it was a manor just on the outskirts of the city, just barely within the city walls. It served as the Rothschild's training grounds for their knights, and during normal times, set empty with only a small crew of servants maintaining the premises. The guards waved them in after in speaking to the coachman and seeing the letter with all the important-looking seals given by Titania. Merles glanced around the window in the carriage and passed by the gates and gave out a deep breath. All right, let's see if this place is suitable and make it into a base. Main Estate of the House Taran What is this upstart sister of ours doing now? Alberta Rothschild, the second eldest, tossed the letter scroll onto the table where several others sat in high-backed chairs. Milat Rothschild, next in line to Alberta, picked up the scroll and spread it out on the table and read it before he laughed. Seems like she wants to gather us as much of the nobles and guilds to her side. Yes, your sister appears to be doing that. A deep voice came from one of the two elderly men in the class jeweled encased cane. He tapped again against the tiled floor and shook his head covered with silvery gray hair that reached his shoulders. But it's too late. Another young looking man with the similar features next to the old man added, We have bribed everyone worth bribing and our side before her return. Yes, long Lord Taran. Another similarly aged man leaned forward on the table. We have more than half the city guards and commanders swearing to our side already. What does she think she can do in this, uh, party of hers? Steve, enough. The final member of the meeting rose a hand to stop the man's words. I'm more worried about the army she returned with. Most of those soldiers are the Rothschild's men. Do not worry, father, the man named Steve spoke out. I have visited their barracks and their soldiers are beaten men. They are lost in battle and returned with those tails behind their backs. The young lord of Taran quickly added, The people in the city are already looking down on them for losing the battle. Of course, fueled with a few well-placed rumors, those soldiers will not be a threat to our army or mercenaries that we have gathered. Yes, both Alberta and Mallet grinned. Those beaten soldiers will not be a match to our combined army when we take the walls and the castle. Of course, Steve Deflin, the heir to the house Deflin, laughed. The city will be taken by your brothers easily with our support. Once we have her in our hands, do not forget our deal. That is for certain, Alberto nodded smugly. There is no such wealth to be shared here. Why must we fight with each other over it when we can just work together to make gold? Having a woman leading the great house will lead to its fall. The older Terran lord sighed. We are all old families here and have our own traditions. Where can a woman even hold the reins to the great house? You're right, my lord, Alberto quickly agreed, but most of the military power in her hands. Her military powers have waned, the current lord of House Teflon smirked. Even the emperor will not be involved in these matters of inheritance. But we lost the fight with the barbarians, Mallet worriedly added. Well, the emperor, she was the overall commander of the army, Lord Devlin gave a sly smile. That is why she lost the battle. But our father and even Lord Rock has failed. 
Mella frowned. What if the Emperor blames us? Ah, even a formidable commander of Black Scorpions has failed. The Lord Devlin laughed. Now, what can the Emperor blame you for? True, Alberta gave a calming gesture to his brother. Calm down. If the barbarians can defeat Rock, what do you think they can do at this point? The Emperor won't direct his anger at us. The important thing now is to ensure that our dear sister is uprooted from the family. Alberta gave a wicked smile. We can present her to the Emperor for fading her duties. <laughs> Good. The young Lord Talon stood up and laughed. He took a goblet of wine from the table in front of him. A toast to our success and wealth. Here, here. Both the Lords of House Taran and Deflin gave a sideways glance at each other and gave a knowing smile before they joined the toast. Merle sighed as he tossed the oversized Gaudi beret onto the seat of the carriage and his outer coat joined the hat. God damn it, I'd rather wear heavy combat armor in full battle order than this crap. The Glamour One squad leader gave a grin and said, Well, you did say that you wanted to dress and act like a local noble. Frick, this noble crap. Merle's took a canteen from the carriage stalls and took a swill of the cooling water. This crap can kill. Can't imagine why you people wear all of this. Terrier gave her a laugh and shook his head. Well, I remember watching the Discovery Channel documentary about peacocks. The brighter and more garish looking, the better to attract females. Tyria gave a wink. So how are you and the Rothschild girl doing? Need any advice? Ugh. The Mills tossed the canteen into the carriage. Not you too. I had love advice given to me by a damn soap opera addicted dragon of all things. Now even the special forces want to leg in and give me some love advice too. <laughs> Tyria laughed. Seriously, Blue Thunder gave you wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, Mills grinned as he remembered what Blue Thunder advised him. Cheese fries to keep a girl happy was his words of wisdom. <laughs> Terrier shook his head in mirth. Those damn dragons just love the humans' cheese fries, don't they? Yeah, of all things, Mills rolled his eyes. I mean, pizza is pretty good too. Well, the trolls love pizzas, Terrier added, and the Orkins love fried chicken. And you owls love burgers. Moles finished the sentence with Tyria gave a smile and a shrug. Well enough of talking about food when we can't eat them out here. True, Tyria turned his attention to the mansion. This place isn't defensible. Who near the city walls where they could mount a couple siege engines and hammer the mansion from afar if they could spy on us easily from the walls? Moles nodded. Yeah, and the distance to the fence is too short. They can overwhelm our small force easily by charging through the fences. Also, we are not close to the inland sea, Moles pointed out. Makes it hard for us to resupply or extract my water. So it's a no, Terria declared, and he gestured to the driver to prepare to move out. We still got two more places to check out. Damn, why do we have to be posted here? Terria grumbled as he climbed into the carriage. I mean, there's going to be a civil war with all the houses here trying to vie for control over the rain, right? Isn't that a good thing for us? Terria asked. I mean, I may just be a boot, but letting the Empire fall into an infighting is good for us, right? Bowles gave a shrug and the carriage started to move. As you said, we're just boots, can't see the big picture. Let High Command do the planning, we just do the execution. But don't you find it strange? Terrier gestured out the window, sending a small force out here without proper supply lines into a hostile territory and all just to help an enemy stabilize the region. Maybe the higher-ups want to make friends with the government here, Mills gave a guess. It's also a basic tactic. What tactic? Terrier leaned back in his head. A military coup. Nah, Mills shook his head. 
Well, I learned some stuff from top that it's always better to have a forward base in the enemy territory than in our land. Why is that? Tyria asked curiously. There is no advantage other than an early warning of an attack. Well, in my world, almost everyone has similar weapons, guns, bombs, planes, and missiles, Moles explained. If your base is in the enemy land, and if they attack you, there will be a chance that they are unwilling to destroy their own land, hence reduce bombings or targeted strikes. This, as of course, increases the troop survival rate, as also the land and structures that they bomb belong to the enemy in the first place, Moles grinned. So our own land and infrastructure remain untouched. Even if we pulled out from the enemy land, their side of the infrastructure would be destroyed, and they'd need to spend time to rebuild everything, Moles said and at a cost of time, money, and effort for rebuilding everything while our own stuff is untouched. But this plan is only useful if the enemy has weapons like bombs, Terea said. I still can't see any good for us in the station out here. Well, maybe it's because there's a major port here, Moles gave another shrug, and it's also the main trade and merchant hub here. If we can control the city, even by having Titania be our puppet, Moles said, we could project our presence wider and deeper into the Empire. I don't think we can afford a war with the entire continent, Mills added. I mean, we can fight them off, but ultimately they have more bodies to throw at us than we have to block them. Unless we drop a nuke, Mills frowned. I don't think we can even win this war unless one side sues for peace. End of chapter. Chapter 323. Tea Party. House Iris. An unrightly decorated carriage bearing the crest of the House Rothschild, accompanied by a dozen mounted armed men, rode up before the wrought gates of the estate of Iris. The guards waved the carriage and the escorts in, after recognizing the crest and the two whole convoys, arrived in Port Cashier, where a small army of doormen and butlers quickly presented themselves neatly in two rolls, welcoming the guests exiting the carriage. Dressed in a velvet dress that bared her shoulders and thin shawl to cover her shoulders from the sun, Titania carefully climbed down the steps and placed by the doorman and onto a bundle of silk rammed into her. Sister Titania! A bubbly female a few years younger than Titania smiled at her with rosy cheeks and eyes shining with excitement. Y you're back! Greetings, Lady Rosetta. Titania patted the little girl on her head gently. How are you faring? I'm good. I'm so happy to see you. The girl hopped up and from Titania's embrace to the little spin on the spot. Now that you are back, tell me all about the adventures and the battles where you left subdued barbarians in the south. Rosie, a regal-bearing middle-aged lady still bearing traces of her beauty, rebuked Rosie from the doorway. How can you greet our guest this way? My apologies, Lady Rothschild. The elegant lady gave a curtsy. Welcome to my humble abode. Lady Iris, Titania returned her greeting. It's all right. You do not have to be so formal. After all, I treat Rosetta like a sister. Still, as a host, we must have manners. Lady Iris smiled. Come in, come in. <laughs> Rosie grinned and wrapped her arms around Titania. You must tell me all about your adventures over tea. Yes, yes, Titania gave a rare smile as the girl dragged her into the house towards the garden. A large gazebo sat in the middle of the garden, surrounded by flowers and rare plants, carefully maintained by magic and manual labor. Snatches of conversation and laughter were drifted over dozens of noble ladies, and their ladies-in-waiting gossiped over tea and delicacies. Servants stood behind the ornate screen, constantly worked a cord linked with a fan hung on the ceiling. 
creating a constant drop of cool air. A low hush descended upon the garden party as Titania made her way to the entrance as every eye turned in her direction. She paused and Rosetta turned around in confusion. Come on! Titania gave a small smile at the girl and steeled herself before she resumed her steps. The ladies in the gazebo covered their lips with a small fan and whispered low tones to their neighbors as they eyed her entrance. So, you've still got the guts to show your face around here? A sneer came from the group of ladies dressed in the latest society fashion. After all that had happened, how carefree can one be? Of course, now that the old lord is gone, someone can steal the seat from the lord. Another voice came and the group added in, How shameless! Lady Titania, two fashionably dressed ladies, appeared from the side and waved her eagerly over. Over here! Lady Sophia and Lady Grace... She sat down at the table with the two were classmates in School of Magic. Ignore those four, Lady Sophia said with a fiery red hair and freckles fiercely said. They kept bad-mouthing you ever since word came of your return. Yes, Lady Grace said, who gave a pale complexion and golden brown hair bobbed her head in agreement. They just wanted to make trouble for you. What are they saying? Titania frowned as they took a sip of tea and poured by the fawning Rosetta. Something about how you betrayed your father and brother, Lady Sophia said in a low voice, and how you sold them out to be the barbarians in return for your life. Titania sighed inwardly, part of that was the truth, and she had a pang of sadness at the memory of seeing the ash-gray body of her father. It does not matter. They are taking this chance to smear your name and your family, Lady Grace Brown, and the rest of these, um, people here love to gossip and such things. I fear it'll not do any good when you formally take the position of the head of the Rothschild. Did they see anything when I and my late father wasn't in the city? Titania tapped her finger on the table in thought. No, both girls replied together. Only after word of your return came, did they start talking about your misdeeds. I see. Titania took another sip of her tea. Clearly, they're spreading these gossips on purpose. To undermine your authority, both girls eyed and wide. But, uh... Oh, the Deflin and Taurus. I guess it's a ploy by them, Titania replied calmly. Now that the Rothschilds is weakened, they want to be in power. What better way to do that than weaken my influence amongst the people and other houses? Don't worry, Lady Sophia patted her chest. I can assure you House Candor stands by your side. House Westlake will stand by you too, Grace added. If my father doesn't, I'll make him. <laughs> I'm sure my mother stands by your side too, Rosetta said as she raised her hand and joined the conversation. Sister Titania is so strong, no one can ever defeat her. Thank you all. Titania smiled warmly at their support and patted Rosetta. But there will be danger and I'm afraid of dragging you all down with me. Hey, we've been friends since magic school. Lady Sophia held Titania's hand gently. How can we stand at one another's sides and watch when you need help? Yes, Lady Grace and Rosetta both declared. We will do our best for you. All right, Titania nodded and made up her mind. I'll need your influence. Influence? The girls tilted their heads in confusion. What can we do? Sophia, your family deals with grain merchants in the market, Titania said. I'd like you to put a word out for me amongst the merchants. I'll talk with the merchant girl leaders another time, but I'd like to lay some groundwork before that talks. Sure, Lady Sophia agreed quickly. That's simple. Grace, I know your family deals with the textile merchants, Titania said. Can you do the same? Lady Grace nodded. But why the merchants? Shouldn't the support of the major houses be more important? There are nine great houses and fourteen minor houses, Titania explained. 
while the minor houses provided supplies and gold instead of soldiers, four of the great houses did not send troops when they ordered. I am certain that these four, namely the house of Deflin and Taros, are the main culprits, Titania said. They will surely pull the great houses who had sent troops over to their side, which means that they will have more of the great houses supporting them, Lady Grace said in horror. They just need to pull one more great house over to their side. Yes, Titania nodded, but I hope to count the minor houses instead. But the minor houses have no forces for you to draw on, Lady Sophia said. Both her and Grace's families were a minor house. Wait, Lady Sophia leaned forward and spoke in a low voice. I've heard from my father that the houses are buying a lot of grain and salt, way more than what they would normally buy. Are they? Titania, hearing the news, gave a solemn nod. I think they stockpiling supplies for a war. The girls drew in a sharp intake of breath upon hearing Titania's words. Unlike Titania, both of them did not show much interest in fighting. Try to spread the word and not sell to them, Titania said. We can't let them have their way. If I can get the support of the girls and the minor houses who are the ones supporting the entire city's markets, Titania gave a predatory smile. We can cut off those opposing factions' source of weapons and supplies before they can stockpile enough. We can win this. UNS Singapore, Captain's Quarters. What the hell is this? Blake dropped a tablet on the table. Are you telling me that we have another mad god on the loose? Fleet Intelligence Officer Tavar stood at attention and confirmed by nodding. Yes, sir. Claymore too has encountered this entity and had managed, with the help of Elizabeth Ragnar, destroyed its host before it could create greater problems. Blake sighed and rubbed his face. Damn gods, freaking propping up like rabbits. How did it come about to this? Blake continued to grill Tavar. I thought you had eyes on the hunter girl. Yes, sir. It was an oversight on my part. Tavar admitted his error. I was hoping to catch a bigger fish. But not at the expense of putting our people in danger. Blake smacked the table in anger. What happens if she tried to summon or do some kind of ritual right in the marine barracks? Tavar kept quiet and Blake raged on. How many lives would be lost if something like another hero appears? Sorry, sir. Tavar apologized. This will not happen again. Make sure it doesn't. Blake huffed. I don't want something like this to happen again. Any unknown artifact, idol, statue, or charm, Blake said, are to be secured and tallied by the occult intelligence section. I do not want you to treat a murky waters, especially when we do not understand. Is that clear? Blake glared at Tavar, who remained at attention. Yes, sir, Tavar replied. Good. Now, what do we know about this new entity? Blake asked, and his anger lessened. As of now, forensics is still coming the site, Tavor replied. Statements from Claymore 2 and members and Elizabeth gave us some clues, but not much. What we do know is that the entity has the ability to work similarly to the Prince's Charms effort, Tavor said, but strength and area of effect are at least a hundred times of hers. What? Blake frowned. He knew the irritating effects the charm has since affecting him several times. So will our anti-charm measures work against it? He rubbed a ring on his forefinger and asked, it was made by Magister Thorn and enchanted with an anti-charm spell, and he had maddened all senior officers to wear a ring at all times. I expect that our current anti-charm measures will require to be boosted, Tavos said. We are after all dealing with a god, and even a fragment of a god being which powers greatly overwhelms our own magic capabilities. Blake nodded. Get Thorn to see if he can upgrade and come up with something. Tavos nodded. Also, from the findings of the incident site, we found carvings of a greatly resembled Greek and Roman architecture. 
Blake wrapped his fingers on the table. So, we are dealing with something from Greek or Roman mythology. Yes, sir, Tabor said. Very hard chance. Dr. Sharon is working on it, and she's informed me that we should involve a female goddess from either Greek or Roman mythos. She's narrowing it down to the goddess that the mythos say that were powers of charming people, Tabor continued. So far, she reported that she's narrowed it down to a few choices, but she needs more time to be sure. Got it, Blake nodded and dismissed Tabor. Report to me once she has something confirmed. Yes, sir, Tabor saluted and returned to exit the room. Tabor, Blake had the intel officer before he left the room. I don't want to repeat what happened at Orwell's point. No backdoor, hidden ops, or department rivalries. Report everything to me, or I'll find someone else to replace your post. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Crystal, sir. End of chapter. Chapter 324. Stalker. Outskirts of Northelm. Another bust. Mills removed his outer jacket and remained in his inner white silks, totally giving up on looking the part of a noble. What a waste of time. They rode in the carriage out of the mansion, which was the last location they came to check out. Tyria gave a grunt of agreement as he too was disappointed with the choices given. Too exposed to be properly defended. But it's a given, Tyria added. After all, these are either winter or summer estates for nobles. Wait, Mills suddenly called out as he stuck his face out the window. What is that place? Mills pointed to a dilapidated structure in the distant lake where it sat on a small island by itself with a highway linking it to the mainland. Tyria had the driver hold the carriage and they climbed out and took a look at the ruined structure. Hey there, Mills stopped a small group of locals. Could you tell me what that place is? Huh? The locals looked in suspicion at Mills, who was dressed in the strange manner of his speech. Well, well, what do you want to know? What is that place? Mills pointed to the ruins. Oh, that... The local farmer rubbed his sweat from his head. It used to be a menagerie for beasts, but a few years back the beasts broke out and burnt the place down and killed everyone inside. Now it's abandoned, the local said. No one dares to enter that place. Interesting, Mills winked at Tyria. Shall we take a look in that place? My lords, the local farmer looked frightened. You must not. No one that has gone in there has ever come out alive again. Why? Mills frowned. Is it a dangerous inside? I thought it was abandoned. Yes, but it is said that the spirits of the dead haunt the place. The farmer said in a low voice, There is also monsters that inhabit it. Really? Moles gave a look of disbelief. Yes. Locals at this point gathered around the carriage and started sharing stories of the ruins. Even the adventurous girl has given up on that place. Too many adventurers have lost their lives in that place. So there's no way in, Moles asked. Well, the locals looked at each other. I think you need the city lord's approval or a letter from the adventurer guild. Thanks, Merle's grinned and dug into his silver piece, which made the local smile wildly. Here's a tip. What do you think? Merle's asked Tyria as they returned to the carriage. An island by itself, plenty of water space for any flying boats to land, and just a causeway as the only way in. Tyria grinned. Sure, great spot, except for maybe monsters or spirits inhabiting their place now, not to mention how run down it is. True, Moles took out a pair of binoculars and peered at the ruins, but if we can restore it to working order, it will make a good base for us. Well, guess we'll have to talk to Lady Titania later on. As evening came, a wary Titania finally returned to her estate after entertaining several notable ladies at the tea party. Still, 
she managed to gather some information on who was mostly neutral, who was friendly, and who was her enemies. She knew that cutting off part of the supplies flowing to the other faction only buys her some time. The Great Houses had planned to rebel against the Rothschild's authority for some time, and now, with two of her idiotic brothers throwing themselves into the arms of the enemies, it was harder to stop them. And other factions now has a legitimate reason to stand against her. Her idiotic brothers thought that they were smart, but in actual fact, they were all dancing in the palms of the two houses. Titania knew that she was in a disadvantageous position due to her being a woman for one, made a prisoner of war, and also the remaining commander of a badly defeated army. Despite some woman folk being in a position of authority, most old families frown upon such practices as males were generally preferred over women. Even with magic, women could stand toe-to-toe with men in battles, but the culture that males were stronger than females was always there. Titania knew her father was grooming her to become the next head of the Rothschilds, and shall he had been alive. His support would silence all those who dared to speak against her. His ruthlessness had passed down to his son, but only she inherited his intelligence. She knew that she was born out of wedlock, her mother a slave, serving as a maid in a manner. Due to the difference in status, her father never married her mother, but due to the stress and harassment from others, her mother passed away when she was still a child. Her father took her in and started to groom her once he discovered her intelligence. At first, he wanted her to support whoever was the bear, but her brothers turned out to be good-for-nothings. They terrorized the locals and exploited their power, leading to a life of extravagance. In the end, unable to reform her brothers, her father decided to pass on the mantle to her instead. When she took partial control of the house, she cut off the amount of money that her brothers could draw upon and cleaned up the mess they made, which granted some goodwill for the Rothschilds. Her brothers tried all means and ways to force their father to change his mind, but their father remained unmoved, knowing that if he gave in to their demands, House Rothschild would be destroyed by their hands. This made her brothers hate her deeply, and with her mother a slave, they greatly resented her and tried to undermine her at every opportunity. Titania strolled into her room and her maid started undressing her and readying her a bath. She slipped into the tub with a warm water and let her body unwind. One of the maids started to rub her tired shoulders and she sighed in relaxation with a skillful massage. My lady, the Lord Mills wishes to have a word with you, the servant reported to her as she closed her eyes while enjoying the massage. He is waiting outside. Tell him I'll see him later, Titania replied as she leaned back in the tub. After my shower, the servant bowed and left the bath to relay the message, leaving Titania to enjoy the massage. Um, Titania sighed. More to the right. The skillful hands suddenly tightened around her throat, squeezing her airway closed. Titania spasmed in a sudden fright and unexpected action and tried to tear the hands away from her throat as she struggled for air. Hush! A cold voice whispered into her ear as her face started to turn purple from lack of oxygen. Relax, just like what you were doing just now. Don't fight it. Titania's vision started to dim with her strength weakened as oxygen to her brain was being cut off. She kicked wildly, trying to escape the iron grip around her throat, and by luck or chance, she hit the corner of the bath screen and which toppled over. The bath screen was made out of jade ivory, and when it fell, it shattered with a loud crash. The ruckus brought the rest of the maids and servants into the bath when they saw Titania being strangled by the assassin. They screamed. Mills rubbed his head and the servant bowed and left after relaying Titania's words to him. He turned to walk down the hallway when suddenly he heard a muffled screams. 
He turned back in curiosity and saw two female guards on duty before Titania's room rush in. He paused for barely a second before he ran after the guards. He saw several maids standing at the side in fright before they noticed Titania was naked in the bathtub with her throat being strangled by someone. The two guards jerked to a halt in surprise before drawing their blades and rushing forwards to save the liege. Stop! The assassin suddenly shouted, or I rip her throat out. Both guards paused and looked at each other uncertainly. They circled to the sides and kept their swords ready before them. Release our lady now! Mills quickly flattened him to the side of the door leading to the bath and gestured to the maze with his finger to his lips to keep the prison secret. He drew his weapon out and thumbed back the hammer, wishing that he was carrying a more advanced accurate Glock instead of a revolver. He forced to peep around the corner into the bath seeing the female guards were flanking the assassin and Titania's situation didn't look very good. She held up her hands to her throat and seemed to be at the edge of losing consciousness. The assassin suddenly switched her grip to a chokehold and hoisted the limp Titania up from the tub and stepped backwards towards the closed windows. Both guards were nervous as they saw their lady of mercy out of assassin and they pointed their swords at the assassin. Stop! Let her go now and you will keep your life. Ha! The assassin gave a bark of laughter. We, the stalkers, never fear death, nor do we fail in our missions. The assassin suddenly said in a cold voice which sent chills down everyone's spine, For we are the shadow. When Mills heard that statement, he knew immediately without a doubt that the assassin would kill Titania. He spun out from the cover and the revolver thrust out into a perfect textbook two-handed weaver stance. His support hand wrapped around the shooting hand and slightly bent elbows, and putting his weight on his left forward foot and he placed his simple revolver sights directly over the head of the assassin. His sudden appearance surprised the assassin who turned to face him directly, giving him a clear and direct shot. Without any hesitation, he squeezed the trigger gently and cocked the hammer snapped downward smoothly with an angry roar. The single-action dragon revolver spat out a 6.5mm bullet at a velocity of 448 meters per second and shattered the nose bridge of the assassin before the bullet exited out the back of the skull with a splatter of blame matter and blood. Instantly, the female assassin went limp and her hold loosened on both bodies dropped down to the wet floor. The two guards quickly recovered from the gunshot when they saw Titania drop down and they quickly pulled her away from the dead assassin, who still had the look of utter surprise. Mills lowered his smoking weapon with his ears ringing and suddenly he felt a whole body shake as the adrenaline fear left his body. He stood over Titania while the maids and more guards appeared and stared blankly at the unmoving body of Titania. Removing his shirt, he draped it over her naked body and the marks of her throat turned dark purple. The guards cast healing spells on her desperately as she laid unmoving on the wet floor. Mills quickly checked her pulse and found a very weak response. He quickly stopped the guards from casting any more spells and started CPR into Tanya, much to the shock and outrage of the guards and maids who had never seen such a scandalous act. Do you want me to save her? Mills glared at the female guard whose sword tip posed right in his neck. Get the thing out of my face. He pumped her chest before blowing air into her mouth to inflate her lungs and repeated while the guards and maids stared at him with an uncertainty and murder in their eyes. Come on, breathe. Mills desperately performed CPR on Titania again and again. Breathe! End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. 
Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.